I want to call your attention now to the book of Ephesians. The letter of Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 5. And we'll read verses 15 through 17. Ephesians 5, 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And may God bless the reading of his word and the preaching of it. Today we bid farewell to a friend. A friend that we met just a year ago and whom we will never see again. He came in quickly and he aged quickly. And now we part forever. We bid goodbye to 2023. And providentially it falls on a Lord's Day. And it is good for us to consider the importance of time and what our text in particular tells us about time. Verse 16 again says this, these familiar words, redeeming the time because the days are evil. First of all, we ought to define our terms. What is time? What is time? If you look in a dictionary, you might find something like this. Progression of existence. Of course, we want a definition that is more geared toward the word of God. So, biblically, we might define time as God's gift of duration for his creation. Another definition that I heard many years ago is life measured out for work. That's a very practical definition of time. Life measured out for work. The Lord Jesus Christ was conscious of time in that sense. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Time is that which stands between us and eternity. Time, in a very narrow uh, sense, is the point at which the future becomes the past. And it is always moving. 
The future is constantly turning into the past. And there is no time out. You know, in a sports competition, the referee will blow the whistle and the clock stops. And then they do whatever they have to do for the timeout and, and so on. And then they, they blow the whistle and the clock starts up again. We can't do that with time. There's never a time out. There is, however, a time up and time over. And only God knows when that is. Time cannot be stored up as some songwriters have dreamed of, saving time in a bottle. Good luck with that. Nobody's ever been able to do that. Time is, again in a practical sense, opportunity, occasion, or season. And that comes very close to what our text is talking about when it says redeeming the time. We're to redeem our opportunities, our occasions. It is interesting that some lost people have had some appreciation of time, not as much as they should, but some worldly wisdom concerning time. I think of Benjamin Franklin, far from a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, who said, time is your only true coin. Spend it wisely. He also said something like this, do you love life? then do not waste time, for that is the stuff of which it is made. If a man like Benjamin Franklin could have that kind of insight and understanding of the value of time, how much more ought those who know the creator of time and who understand the meaning and purpose of life be careful with our time and be redeeming the time. So that brings us to this other term. What is it to redeem time? The word redeeming here is the same word that is used elsewhere in Scripture with reference to salvation. The word literally means to purchase and to purchase from the marketplace or to purchase and take out of the marketplace. And that's the term here. Well, just as certainly as time can't be saved up in a bottle and time can't be stopped with the blowing of a whistle and so on, time cannot be bought. It, cannot, it is not for sale. There's no price tag on it. Otherwise, wealthy people would live longer than anyone else. And 
no one would ever die with a penny to his name if time could be bought in that sense. Because we would spend our last dime and penny for a little more time. And the fact is, many people, well, wealthy people die and leave vast fortunes because time's not for sale. So what does it mean then to redeem the time? It means to trade well with it, to invest it wisely, to make the best possible use of it, to make up for what has been lost of it, to make up for what has been wasted of it thus far. To redeem the time is to seize the opportunities that are at hand now and to deny lesser uses of time for greater, more significant uses of time. And then the question is, why should we redeem the time? And our text gives us the answer, because the days are evil. We live in evil days, and some days may seem more evil than others, and some generations may be uh, more evil than others in some respects. But every generation is a sinful generation. Every day is a sinful day on this cursed and fallen earth. We live in a sinful world. Just like the people at Ephesus in the first century, we are living in wicked and sinful, evil times. We're surrounded by sin. And would to God that was the only place where sin were, outside. But our own hearts are plagued with sin. Our hearts are naturally sinful. And even as believers in Christ, we struggle with sin. We are tempted. And we must resist temptation. One of the temptations that we must resist is the temptation to waste time and the temptation to abuse time and misuse time. It's as if Paul is saying to the Ephesians that the abuse of time by sinners hastens divine judgment. The use of time for sinful purposes Hastens divine judgment, calls down divine judgment upon us. But those who are believers in Christ must use time wisely. And the believer's wise use of time, again speaking from a purely earthly perspective, 
delays that judgment in some sense. Think of Lot in Sodom and how that God delayed the judgment there upon that city until Lot was out of it. And in a similar fashion, Paul seems to suggest here that the judgment that should rightly fall upon the earth in these evil days is a reason for those who are believers to be using their time carefully, time that is limited. Believers in Christ must make the best use of time that others may observe and follow and be influenced to do the same. And that certainly is the emphasis in a parallel passage found in the book of Colossians. The only other place where this same phrase is used, Colossians 4, 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, toward unbelievers, toward those that are in this world. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time, making the best use of time. So this is why we should redeem the time, because the days are evil. But let me enlarge on that a bit more. We should redeem the time because time is precious. Time is precious. Oh, that we might understand that and live according to it. And I want to give you some helpful insights on this matter of the preciousness of time from Jonathan Edwards. Preciousness is determined by four things. Preciousness is determined, first of all, by the importance of a thing. Things of lesser importance are less precious. Well, what is more important than time? Time is of the highest importance. Your future eternal destiny hangs upon time. The great door of eternity turns on the little hinge of time and what we do with our opportunity in time to serve the best interests of our soul. And yes, to serve the best interest of the souls of others. And ultimately to serve the glory of God. Time is important. And therefore time is precious. We have no spare time. Because of the important things that are set before us in this lifetime. If I could just quote Edwards here, he says, Time is so short, and the work which we have to do in it is so great that we have none of it to spare. And how true that is. Yet most people are more wasteful with time than with anything else. 
They wouldn't think of wasting money, or at least not very much money, but they'll waste vast stores of time. They wouldn't dare throw away a gold coin, but they throw away time, which is better than gold. Secondly, preciousness is determined by the scarcity of a thing. The more scarce it is, the more valuable it is, and the more precious it is considered to be. Gold is precious because the supply is limited. But in time of famine, food is precious. And food may be more precious than gold in a famine. If there is no food to be traded for the gold. The more scarce a thing is, the more precious it is, especially if it's something that we can't live without. Yet most people do not understand the scarcity of time. And they think that they have plenty of time. They have so much time, they don't know what to do with it all. And they have to come up with ways to occupy themselves, to spend their time, and to keep from being bored. So they trifle away precious hours and years. And they fail to redeem the time. Preciousness, thirdly, is determined by the uncertainty of a thing. We do not know how short our life is. And therefore, time is precious. Yet most people think they have many more years or if not many, at least several. At least enough not to be too concerned about how much remains. I read a few moments ago the account from the Gospel of Luke of this man that we call the rich fool. He has all of these many years yet to live And he's been successful and and made lots of money. And so he doesn't have to work anymore. And he can rest and relax and enjoy and eat and drink and be merry. He's got his whole life, many years in front of him, all planned and mapped out to his own liking. And God says to him, You aren't going to live one more year. In fact, you're not even going to live one more day. I'm going to come for your soul tonight. God calls the man a fool. Because he was presuming upon time as if it were a certain thing. But time is not certain. It's very uncertain. 
And we don't know if we have many years or few years or any years. We don't know if we have one more day. We look at the average lifespan and assume that we'll at least reach average. We might be one that bumps up the average a little bit. Those averages are no guarantee. Any one of us here, even the youngest, may have lived most of our life. We reach middle age, we call it, and we think we've lived about half of our life. We don't know, that may be 99% of it. Time is uncertain. Life is short at best, but how short, we don't know. We don't know. And that should make us consider time to be a, to be a very valuable, precious thing. It came as such a shock to us a few weeks ago to learn that our dear friend and brother Joseph left this world suddenly. His time was up. Beloved, that's how uncertain life is. Think how you would prize this day if you knew that you had six months to live. How would you prize and treasure this day if you knew that you had six hours to live? Or six minutes to live? That's how uncertain time is. And therefore it is a very precious thing to have any of it. Fourthly, preciousness is determined by the irretrievability of a thing. Some things, you lose them and you can replace them. You maybe lose some money, but you can replace that with... Uh, some more. You can work a little overtime or something and, and gain it back, so to speak. Not so with time. Once it's gone, it cannot come back. Once it is spent, it is gone forever. It will not return. It is irreplaceable. It is irretrievable. And we pass this way only once. And there's no rewinding the clock. It keeps ticking. You can take a photograph of, of someone, including yourself, from, say, five years ago, and you can visibly see the change that has occurred. And in some cases... 
The change is so drastic, you don't even recognize the person. You look at pictures of yourself from many years ago, and you don't even recognize yourself, hardly. Because time has wrought this change, and there's no way to make yourself look like you did five years ago or 25 years ago. Time is irretrievable. You will never look that way again. And so time is precious for all these reasons, because of its importance, its scarcity, its uncertainty, and its irretrievability. Again, we should redeem the time because time is a stewardship for which we shall answer to God. We did some studies recently on the subject of stewardship, and the stewardship of time is one of the great things that God will call us to account for. I gave you this time. What did you do with it? The wording there in Luke chapter 12 suggests this whole model of stewardship when God says to this man, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. For God to require the soul is for God to demand an answer for what we've done with our soul. And what we've done with the opportunity that God has given us with regard to it. Oh, beloved, it is a great blessing to live as long as we have. However many years you've lived, count it a mercy from God to have lived this long. And count it a mercy and a blessing from God to, live, to have lived where you live. And to live under the sound of the gospel and the word of God, the way of salvation. And as a stewardship, we must answer to God for what we have done with this opportunity. God certainly has the right to expect more from us than from anyone else that I can think of. And this is why then we should redeem the time and use it wisely, invest it carefully, trade with it wisely, make the best use of it. And this is written to believers. But I would suggest that the principle may be applied to unbelievers also. And let me just talk about that here in the time that remains. Eternity is coming. We don't know how soon. But what we do with our opportunities in time determines where we spend eternity. This little span of time has great significance in terms of eternity, a significance that cannot be measured. 
And so we must use our time wisely. Every one of us. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your life? Do you presume that you have plenty of more time? Do you think that you'll become a Christian someday in the far off? Jesus said to Jerusalem that they did not know the time of their visitation. They were not paying attention to what was going on around them. They did not understand the significance of Jesus walking in their streets and in their homes. They didn't know the time of their visitation. They were in no hurry. And that is a very dangerous place to be. We read in the book of Genesis before the flood that God's spirit was striving with man. But then Noah entered the ark and the door was shut and it was shut for good. It was not reopened. The opportunity ended. And again, our Lord seems to have this in mind when he says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Well, that is certainly a picture of what must have happened at the door of the ark in the days of Noah. Those who had scoffed and scorned, wasted their time, lived as if time would go on forever, and found the door closed, fastened shut, Jesus anticipates their people pleading with him, open, open to us. He will say, I don't know you. I don't recognize your voice. You're a stranger to me. The door was open, but now it's shut. And so it behooves us all to make the best use of time while the door is open, while the door of salvation is open, while the opportunity to come to Christ is open. And so let us not waste time. Let us not waste time on insignificant things at the expense of greater things. And I'm not talking here about sinful things, but just about trivial things. I'm reminded of those 
philosophers at Athens in Acts chapter 17, who it says, spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. This was what their life consisted of. Sitting around, eating their grapes, I suppose, and living for a mental variety show to hear some news, to see if there's any new philosophy or philosopher that has risen up with any new insights into things that they can talk about and debate about and then uh, go home and pillow their heads. That's what life was for the philosophers of Athens. Instead of redeeming the time and investing their time in the good of their never-dying soul and their relationship to the true and living God. It was just a mental exercise to try to expand knowledge for the sake of expanding knowledge. And those who live like that today come to the end with nothing but a wasted life, wasted on little selfish trifles and entertainments, talking and talking and talking about everything imaginable except the one thing that's the most important, God, the truth their souls. Jesus Christ, redemption through Him, eternal life. Let us not waste time. Furthermore, let us not misuse time for sin and sinful purposes. This is even worse than wasting time. This is worse than idleness, this is to actually use the time for that which will clearly destroy the soul. It is to purchase with the coin of time that which will increase misery in the world to come. We must not use our time for indulging our sinful lusts and passions fornication, lying, drunkenness, stealing, fighting, envying, gossiping, on and on the list could go. We must not misuse our time for sin. And again, not only must we not waste time and misuse time, we must not pursue purely temporal things. We must not pursue the things that only relate to time, in other words. And these may be good, lawful, legitimate, necessary things. But if they become our end and our chief pursuit then we have not redeemed the time, truly. I'm talking about things like 
work, career, family, necessary things, buying and selling and marrying and giving in marriage, and hobbies and vacations and fun. None of these things are sinful in themselves. They are all well and good in their own place. But if they consume all of our time to the neglect of our soul, we shall have wasted our life in the end. We shall have wasted our life as far as eternity is concerned. And I'm describing those who come down to the end of life. And what have they accomplished Well, maybe they left a big fortune for their heirs to fight over. Maybe they left many happy memories to be put on a slideshow at the funeral service. And after that, they get the biggest monument in the cemetery. And that's all. Please don't misunderstand. There is a God-given place for family and work and, and yes, recreation and proper rest and exercise and so on, but never to the neglect of the soul. And when we put these, all these things that God has given us in this life that are necessary and good and legitimate, when we put them in the context of the best interest of our soul and the best interest of the souls of others and those around us, then we we find in these things occasions to serve the Lord. And we're serving Him in our work and in our family and in our responsibilities, all that we do. But let us not exclusively pursue that which is purely temporal. The time that others waste or the time that others use for sinful pleasures, invest. Invest wisely. Invest in reading God's word. And with that in mind, let me encourage you to read the Word of God and read it all the way through. And at the beginning of a new year, I like to put out the reading schedule that's on the table in the hallway. That will help you have a plan of how much to read each day so that at the end of next year, if you live that long, you will have read all of God's Word. That is a marvelous opportunity and a marvelous use of time what could be better than to read the word of God meditate upon it pray over it serve others reach out with the gospel again the time that others waste and use for sinful pleasures invest in the things of God And do not presume on time 
Tomorrow is uncertain. All we have is today. Let me give you some words of wisdom from some old writers. They say things so uh, quaintly. One today is worth two tomorrows, said William Secker. Or listen to Mr. Charnock. The past cannot be recalled and the future cannot be insured. And how true that is. We've already made the point that the past cannot be recalled, but the future cannot be guaranteed. All we have is today. And so let us not presume on another day. Let us not assume that there will be more time. Today could be your last day. It could be your last day. It could be my last day. But Satan tells young souls to procrastinate. And so the young person says, uh, later on, I'll think about my soul more later on. When I'm older and wiser, I'll think about my soul. And then they get older and they blink their eyes and they are old. And what do they say? I'm too old to change. A dear old soul said that to us. I'm too old to change now. In other words, there's never a right time, is there? When we're young, we're too young. When we're old, we're too old. No, the truth is, there's never a better time than now to come to Christ to find salvation in Him, to find peace with God, to receive from Him eternal life, life within that begins now. There's no better time than now to begin walking with Christ and serving Him, loving Him, walking with Him. So let me hasten to a close here. If you're still in Ephesians 5, notice the, the commands that are given here in these verses that we read. We'll back up in verse 14. Here's the command. Wake up. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Now is the time to wake up out of spiritual sleep. Now is the time to walk carefully, accurately, in a godly way. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And he mentions wisdom again there in verse 17. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Wake up, walk carefully, and be wise. Learn what God wants you to do. And do it now. 
and faithfully. Child of God, live for him while you can. Live so as to have no regrets on your deathbed. And let me close with this. Someday, time will end. Time as we know it will end. The God who started the clock of time will stop it. We read in the book of Revelation, the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are therein and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer. Time as we know it will be no longer someday. And so let us now understand the preciousness of time. You know, everyone sooner or later will understand the preciousness of time. Everyone in eternity will understand the preciousness of time. The rich man in hell understood the preciousness of time. What would a person in the torment of hell give for a little time on earth? Time to repent. What would a person in the torment of hell give for the opportunity that you have today? To turn from sin and come to Christ. Oh, how precious Those in the torments of hell must consider time to be. What would they give for one more day, for one more hour? Don't wait to be convinced of the preciousness of time until you've gone into eternity. But see the preciousness of it now and use it wisely. Redeem it. Invest your hours and days wisely. Invest 2024 or whatever portion of it that you live wisely. May God help us to truly redeem the time. Carpe diem. Seize the time, seize the day, seize the hour, seize the moment for the glory of God and the good of your soul.